You're listening to Renegade Talk Radio. Inside the Vegas Huddle is a new podcast bringing you the latest from Las Vegas' Super Bowl host committee in advance of the big game, Super Bowl 58 at Allegiant Stadium. Get inside info on community events, Super Bowl initiatives, and the economic benefit for Las Vegas directly from committee members themselves, plus NFL representatives and community leaders. Inside the Vegas Huddle on the iHeart Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. Hey, this is Betsy Bell with How Can This Happen? I'm here today because I want to draw in my listeners to my subjects because I'm exploring some very hard to understand stories. And the reason that I want to explore them with you is I know that if you're listening to How Can This Happen, you're not just any average listener. You're engaged, you're involved, and you have questions just like I do. So I'm going to give you my point of view, and I'm going to ask for you to message me or to comment so that I can interact with you my audience, because you guys mean everything to me. Now, today I have two different subjects, but the first one is, have you ever heard of a witness experiencing and witnessing a crime where each of the witnesses gave the same account of what exactly happened? I can tell you from experience, not just watching Law & Order. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Although they have explored that, that intricate problem when solving a case. People witness these episodes or stories or these crimes in so different a way. It's not, they don't have the same account. So why am I exploring this? Because right now, what we are seeing in this country, which we have never seen in the existence of the USA, is these demonstrations, that's what they're calling them, against Israel. It's against the Israeli people. It is also pro-Hamas, regardless of how you see it. You can't say that you're pro-Palestinian without being anti-Israel. It's just a fact. You can look it up if you don't believe me. But I know that you, my audience, are smart enough to understand what I'm telling you. 
So because of this, what I wanted to do was to use one example of something that happened, which really took me by surprise. There was a man named Paul Kessler. He was uh, an Israeli uh, protester. He is pro-Israel because he was a Jewish man, and he was out to make his voice heard in the arena of protesting against Hamas and also to let them know that he was pro-Israel. So he, according to the Jewish Federation of the greater Los Angeles area, a pro-Palestinian demonstrator struck him in the head with a megaphone. So Kessler fell and hit his head on the pavement. The Ventura County coroner and examiner said he died from that injury the next day at the hospital. Okay, so now we not only have video, but we have personal eyewitness accounts to this happening right on the street in a very Good neighborhood, Thousand Oaks in California. So my question is, how can this happen? Why is it accelerating to the level that somebody needs to be struck just because they're out there and they are participating in freedom of speech just like you are? So why would you hit them in the head? That's the ultimate question. And No matter what you read about this case, there is no indication of how it accelerated to that point. None. We cannot get any information about that. So among the conflicting complexities is the fact that the assailant before and after the altercation is on video until the moment that he strikes the until the moment he strikes Kessler until that moment he's on video but they did not record that actual moment that the protester struck Kessler in the head so now here we have the police in California. I know it's very hard to get convicted of a crime in Los Angeles. So I hate to say it, but if you're a criminal, you may want to move to California because you're not going to go to jail for anything you do there. It's just not going to happen. So if you strike somebody in any way, shape or form, even if you take your fist and do it, you are assaulting them. I was listening to a man tell me that a friend of mine that I knew really well was really angry with her husband because he was cheating on her. So what she did was she walked into a restaurant, she picked up a glass of water and smashed it into the woman's face. Now, fortunately for us, 
unfortunately for her, she lives in Nevada. So was she, did they go after her for assault? You bet they did. That's assault. Now, in this case of the man that he got hit in the head with this um, megaphone, it's a big plastic thing, and it has a, you know, there's um, mechanisms inside of it, which makes it heavy. That must have hurt like crazy. Anyway, what happened is he fell down after being struck, and because he was struck, he hit his head. So as a result of that, he died. So now we have all of these people saying they saw this, they saw that, they heard this, they heard that, but not two witness accounts are the same. They're always different. No matter the crime, no matter the place, no matter the time. But the point is, once the man struck his head it, and he died, it wasn't assault anymore. That is a homicide. The Ventura County Examiner said so in his report that he put out. He ruled it a homicide. So what did the police do? Well, you see, this is a peaceful protest. We've heard of those. You know, buildings are burning in the background. Everybody's running for their lives. But that's what we call a peaceful protest. And I have seen that across media in this country. It drives me crazy. I don't know how buildings burning and people getting hit in the head is called peaceful. But that's what they term it. Don't argue with them. Because if you do, you're going against the mainstream media and you don't want to do that. I'm going to point that out later on. So what is the point here? The point is the man struck this demonstrator, Mr. Kessler. Kessler fell, hit his head, and died. Do you think that man is going to be on trial for homicide or murder? I can tell you for a fact, he's not going to. It's never going to happen. That's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with out-of-control crime in this country. And I don't know when we're going to find a way to get past it. We have to hold people accountable. You can't just say, oh, well, he didn't mean to. Oh, well, you don't have a picture of him striking him. No, you have a picture of him bleeding on the ground and people trying to help him. Where did that happen in between? It isn't on video. Mm-mm-mm. Okay. Now, when we come back, I'd like to tell you a story about a witness account just like this one, only it's about a dead body 
in a lobby. We'll be right back. Welcome back. This is Betsy Bell with How Can This Happen? We are going to continue my story of how witnesses' accounts can be totally different, even though they saw the same event. It happened in front of each of them, but they each had a different takeaway. They each had a different look at it. So what I'm going to do is tell you a story about a body in a lobby. And as we go along, it's going to become clear how the incident goes from crystal clear to total shades of gray. So stay with me now. I grew up in Southern California. My father was a surgeon, and he was a very skilled surgeon. He was also a very good man. So he used to go to the country club on Saturday mornings. We in the family all played golf, but that wasn't his thing. He was a very dedicated physician, and he never had time for golf. But he wanted to make sure that his kids and his wife got to play. So we belonged to the country club. What happened is he, he went on his normal Saturday morning routine. He went in to speak with golfers going out, men that were sitting in the club room. So it was kind of a gathering place for members on Saturday morning. So he walks into the lobby of the country club and he looks down and a woman is laying on the floor of the lobby. So one of the members that was standing there recognized him and came over to him and they said, aren't you Dr. Byrne? And he said, yes, I am. And they said, do you know what's wrong with this woman? So he explained it all to me as we went through each point. And that's what I'm going to explain to you. He looked at the man and he said, no, I don't. He went over to the receptionist and he said, please call 911. So the paramedics came and they looked at the woman and then they looked at my dad and they said, do you know what's wrong with her? And he looked at the paramedics and he said, I don't know. I have no idea what's wrong with her. Well, now there's people gathered, people are witnessing this, and I know what's going through their mind because the same thing went through my mind. Here is my father, a wonderful physician, very pro-patient. He even used to do house calls. But he's telling the paramedics he doesn't know what's wrong with this woman. And I'm thinking, Dad, what is wrong with you? In the meantime, I'm waiting for the punchline of the story. The punchline of the story is he told the paramedics he had no idea what was wrong with the woman. So the paramedics picked the woman up 
and transported her to a hospital. In the meantime, he said to me, he said, now you have to understand that several things are at play here. Oh, okay, so what? So when I told that paramedic I didn't know what was wrong with her, he said it was partly true and partly false. I did know one thing. She was dead. There was nothing anybody could do for her. So if I tell the paramedic I know that she's dead, I'm going to have to sign a death certificate for a woman in the lobby of the Wilshire Country Club that I don't know, that I have never seen, that has never been in my office, and I'm going to have to sign a death certificate stating her cause of death. I have no idea what the cause of her death was. Secondly, he said, once I do that, and I say to the paramedics, oh, yeah, well, unfortunately, she's dead. Then we go into the paramedics leave. Now you have to call the coroner. So the coroner has to come and take away the body because the woman is dead. So in Los Angeles, that can only take, hmm, well, most of the time, even in those days, it took about five hours for the coroner to show up. And people are walking through the lobby and they're, coming and going, and some are getting ready to play golf, and oh, there just happens to be a dead body in the, in the lobby. So dad was like, oh, I don't think I like that picture. So because he told them, I don't know, and everyone standing in the room is thinking, what kind of doctor is he? I'm not going to go get treated by him. They took the woman to the hospital and declared her DOA, dead on arrival. So this way, everything was solved and everybody went home. And the poor woman who died, they had to contact her family. In the meantime, everyone who witnessed it saw something different. But I guarantee you, some of them said... I don't know what's wrong with that doctor, that he couldn't figure out what was wrong with the woman. One thing I do know, and that is, once you witness an event or you see something happen in your world, you have to remember you're witnessing it from one point of view. So, what is my point? My point is, there are more points of view than just yours. And if you are willing and able, you can listen to other people's point of view and understand that they are making sense just like you. But... 
if you're the type of person that says, there's only one point of view and it's mine and I don't want to hear anything else because it's very difficult to understand that when you see something happen, you have to assess it from the perspective of your only one point of view. Take in all the points of view you can. It's going to make for a much better world for you and me. And maybe we won't have hundreds of thousands of people screaming in the street from the river to the sea. And what's going to happen? We're going to kill all the Israelis, kill the Jews. Didn't we go through this at the time that Hitler came into power? We did. We have been here before. We need to make sure we don't do it again. We can't let history repeat itself. Make sure that you think this over. And then go to how can this happen and comment to me and tell me if I'm crazy or tell me if I don't know what I'm talking about. I want to know what you think. I want to know what you feel because I'm here to open doors and windows to you so that you can find what is happening and maybe explore the possibilities of how can this happen and why did this happen. Then maybe we'll get some answers and maybe all of us can have a little peace in this world. That's it for me today, but stay with me and listen to other podcasts. They're all defined to give you a different perspective. Thank you for listening. Inside the Vegas Huddle is a new podcast bringing you the latest from Las Vegas' Super Bowl host committee in advance of the big game, Super Bowl 58 at Allegiant Stadium. Get inside info on community events, Super Bowl initiatives, and the economic benefit for Las Vegas directly from committee members themselves, plus NFL representatives and community leaders. Inside the Vegas Huddle on the iHeart Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. Now you can save on Cox Internet by adding Cox Mobile, so you can do everything you want, everywhere you want. Stream the big game with fiber-powered speeds at home, or capture it courtside on your phone with unbeatable 5G reliability on the go, so you can do more without spending more. Save on Cox Internet when you add Cox Mobile. Learn more at cox.com internet. Not all services and features available everywhere. Other restrictions apply.